right? I was like, why is everything sounding so good? Oh, it's because we weren't recording. That's okay. why. I'm Bryn. I'm Chris. And I'm Ellis. And this is PH Drunk. <laughs> we may or may not already be drunk. Wish us luck. Uh, I drunk may or may our... not have just chased <laughs> Pims with whiskey. I chased Pims with whiskey. So I'm so proud of you. You're doing great. She's she's a real hero. <laughs> Okay, we should tell people what they're in for, real quick. Uh, PH Drunk is our fortnightly-ish podcast. I, I mean, it's like fortnightly-ish. We're also in a pandemic, so slow your roll. Um, in this podcast, we drink to excess and discuss classic works of literature. Sometimes they're not as classic because you're in for an extra special treat. This is episode one of Modern Month. Month and scare quotes because it's fortnightly-ish and you can do some math. We are each picking one contemporary novel that we think will achieve classic status someday, or we think it's classic, or maybe we just pick some trashy things we love. You can decide. Um, you should obviously read all the books with us, and you can discuss it with us, and hit us up on Twitter or Instagram and tell us uh, what a shitty job or good job we did. Um, usually we talk about stuff so old that we can't be blamed for spoilers. Um, this time we might be able to be blamed because the things like 20... What did we decide? 21 years old? 20 years old? It um, was 1999. There you go. Um, but we're uh, drunk, so we're going to try not to spoil it, but we're doing our best, you guys. Um, and honestly, at this point, you could probably call us professional despoilers of literature. Despoilers is a good word. We should use that more often. I'm going to put that shit on my CV. Do it. You should. I'm here for it. You should. Oh, my honestly. God. That's how they're going to figure out who we really are, because we're all going <laughs> to have professional despoiler of literature and then they're gonna be like did someone in a podcast say that i i like that i assume people listen to our podcast (laughs) i feel like if anyone on a hiring committee does listen to our podcast they would be like oh sweet you make ph drunk come work with us and then i'd be like yeah let's get drunk all the time dude did you see that people recommended us on twitter i did Anne Gagne on uh, Twitter. It's A N N G A G N E. The E has an accent on it. I might not be pronouncing it right, but um, thank you very much. And Anne. Evan Evan Buck, Evan Buck also Evan at E V V A N B U C on Twitter um, is thinking about starting his own literature podcast, and we say the more the merrier. And when you do that, Evan, please. Uh, let us know, and we would love to subscribe, listen, guest star. I don't guest know. Star? Oh my god! Shut up! Shut up! He could be so his his idea. Don't fucking steal it because you'd be shitty. And also, we're putting it out there now, so it's already in his name. Like this is basically copywriting it when it's I done. say this. Yeah. Uh, his, yeah. his, You're welcome, his, Evan. His idea <laughs> was to start a non-academic podcast called High Lit, and basically we all know what that means and some that's when Anne was like yo do you listen to ph drunk because like also and then it became a thing and so now people i don't i mean we were part of a conversation we were very excited about it and also we would love for him to get super high 
and we could get super drunk and then we could talk about fucking books like some of us might get super high and super drunk who knows i feel like listen that's really in the spirit in the spirit of supporting the arts (laughs) i feel like yes independent (laughs) artists In in the spirit of supporting independent artists, we will get super high and super drunk. And I don't know what will happen, but I feel like Evan hit us up because also Evan's Twitter, he definitely used an Alyssa Edwards gif like a minute ago. And so I'm pretty sure we'd be really good friends. Like, I know you want to be our best friend. Hi, Hi, Evan. Evan. Hi. Hi, we're not creepy and we're not starved for conversation. (laughs) Welcome, welcome to the pandemic. Okay, y'all. <laughs> Maybe somebody should tell him what book we're reading in this episode. Oh, right, right, right. That's me. That's my job. Uh, so today, today we are discussing Affinity by Sarah Waters. And since this is Ellis's pick for the week, Fortnite, whatever the fuck we're doing in now, um, she's going to give us a little background in segment 1A, Authority. Authority. And Who's got the tea? I'm going to spill the tea. I'm going (laughs) to spill the tea. Okay. Spill it, girl. Girl. Buckle up. Okay. Sarah Waters, British novelist, badass bitch. We love her. Uh, Anyways, she's written six works of fiction. Um, She has won like a fuck ton of awards. Uh, Her books have been adapted for the stage and screen in the U.S. and the U.K. Some of the awards that she has won include the Betty Trask Award the Sunday Times Young Writer of the Year Award, the South Bank Show Award for Literature, and the CWA Historical Dagger. She was also named Author of the Year four times. Four times. I can't four. even get one time. She's can't even four. get one. Four times she got. Four times. I do believe one has to write a book. Oh, okay. Fuck, okay. Well, fucking Chris work. out here just right. ruining, <laughs> ruining my dreams. <laughs> okay. God damn it. Okay. So, Sorry. <laughs> so uh, her author of the year awards four times uh, have were given by British Book Awards, the Booksellers Association, Waterstones Booksellers, Stonewall's Writer of the Decade in 2015, Diva Magazine Author of the Year Award, the Sunday Times Award for Literary Excellence in 2017, um, which is given in recognition of a writer's entire body of work. Um, she was awarded entire an o- body, yeah, entire body. I've got an entire body of work, but it's <laughs> I, not I, books. I mean, hey, girl, hey. <laughs> I have seen it, and ten of ten would recommend. Would recommend. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Okay. <laughs> so, um, what? It, where it was? Okay, she was awarded an OBE in 2019 for services to literature in the Queen's Birthday Honors. Um, and she currently wait, lives- wait, wait. For those of us who are not obsessed with British culture like you are, um, what's an OBE? I don't know. Let's look it up. An Order of the British Empire. Yeah, oh you get goodness. to go to Buckingham Palace, and there's like a big ceremony, and they kind of they give That's them a for huge like all deal. Yeah, like you get them for all different things. So like, obviously, she got hers for liter- services to literature. She's she is so fucking cool that the Queen was like, "Bitch, come to the fucking Buckingham Palace. Let me hook you up with an award. Shake my hand or whatever. Bow down all day and." Right? Like, I, I can't. I feel, like, I, I feel like the queen should also know us, though. I mean, I had tea at Buckingham Palace. Yes, it was outside the gates. Yes, sure. it was purchased at a stand in the park across the road. Sure. But fucking 
did it. I did it. I had tea at Buckingham Palace. And also, okay. like. It was actually, it was in the garden. Remember? No, 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 no. I no. was there. Oh, we, we did. That was a different time. I That was. The other time was with a different near friend. Buckingham Palace twice, you guys. I've had tea at Buckingham Palace once. Well, both with times Chris. technically. Yeah. With Chris, we were actually we did the tour, and so there's like a cafe outside in the back garden, and so we did have tea technically at Buckingham Palace. Uh, but my and, friend, uh, I I do believe we also had a scone. I think we had a uh, tea we like desserts and things. Yeah, like it was like a whole situation. It was a whole. We sat situation. down for a we okay. fucking sat down, and we saw like all the like main rooms where shit happens. Okay, well, I've never gotten to tour Buckingham Palace, but I did get to tour Windsor. I did get to That's tour Windsor. Very cool. Uh, but I have never been graced by the presence of the Queen. Oh Nor yeah, do we, I have. I mean, we have either. the British Empire. I feel like you get to see in the Buckingham Palace tour. You get to see the room where they give the OBEs, the big room with the red carpets and stuff. Yes, like you get to you go get in to there, that. but yeah, the um, queen doesn't come out and she she like shake your hand or anything. <laughs> Bryn is being extremely modest because she worked for a prime minister, not not the prime minister, an MP. <laughs> No, no, I worked for a lord who was later tried for charges of embezzlement because half the lords were also. But yes, I did a summer internship with a lord. Brynn did a summer internship with the House of Lords I and mean, she's like, I've never been to Buckingham Palace, but I've got friends who were lords. The royal family was, the royal family was always there. Yes. They were lords and they had scandals. Like, you are my hero. Living the dream. <laughs> Living the dream. Okay, okay. I'm going to finish this. I'm going to finish this. Okay, Sarah Waters. Lives currently in London with her partner. Uh, and it's also important to probably know that, like, her whole thing with her books is Victorian lesbians, which, as you guys know if you've listened to our <laughs> podcast, also kind of our whole thing. So it's at least 80% of our thing, honestly. Honestly, the Victorian part is the only part that makes it 80% because some of us are Victorian and others are not. And but like we're fair, into like I, I take historical lesbians, lesbians from all periods. I mean true. True, true, true. 15th century, 21st century. Give me a lesbian 18th century. And I will be like, happy. All the Margarets. All the Margarets. Hand them over. All, love a good all, love a good lesbian. All the lesbians, please. Please and thanks. Um listen. It is what it is. So uh, yeah, so reader books, because, like, duh, uh, they're full of nine years of longing, and that is... They really are. Why I picked it. <laughs> this one was at least nine months. Yeah. Specifically in Affinity, um, Alice is also going to tell us about the nine years of longing in that one uh, in segment 1B. Get lit review. All right. So I don't want to spoil it for you, but I'll basically set you guys up. Uh, This book follows Margaret Pryor. Um, She's pretty much crossed officially into spinsterhood at this point um, because she's like almost 30, getting ready to turn 30. Uh, And so she's like trying to deal with that, but she's not dealing with it well. Um, Her family (laughs) has a lot of money. No, not at all. Not at all. She's not. Uh, so her family has a lot of money, but her mom is like a controlling old hag and basically is more concerned about what um, society thinks of them than she is about like her own family in general, like their well-being. So she sucks. And then um, her brother 
her older brother, he's pretty chill. We don't hate him, but he accidentally married the woman that Margaret loves, who's named Helen. Um, her, her brother, to be fair, didn't know that they were having a steamy affair. Um, but he still married her. So sad day for Margaret. Uh, uh, they had a really good thing going until her brother married her and then knocked her up. And so now Margaret is like super fucking sad. And she pretty much has to have the whole thing rubbed in her face every time they have family dinner uh, and like is not a big fan of their kid, which like, can we blame her? Uh, also, not like that's not even about the kid, like her, like that's not me hating on kids. That's me saying like, this is the fruit of my brother and the woman that I love more than anything. So like, you know, what are you going to do? I would, Okay, I but w- quick question. Quick what, question. What? The end yeah, of the book what? makes pretty fucking clear that at least the mother knew that Margaret loved Helen. Bitch, so everybody fucking Steven. knew. Okay, I don't think so, Stephen knew. Th- I don't think Stephen knew because Stephen wouldn't do that to her because Stephen was like kind of on her side. There's like other parts of the book where he was like, mother can't take your money. Like I've got you covered. Like whatever, like her Stephen inheritance. Knows. I don't think Stephen would do that. No, but I thought he was just playing like the nice brother that like marries her so she could stay in the no, family. No, because, and, because like, you dude, keep her. would you – listen, like think of it this way. Would you would you marry a dude if you knew one of your sisters had boned him and was like in love with him? No, you would not because you would feel a type of way and you'd always be worried about it and you'd always be wondering like at family dinners um, what the fuck yeah, was happening. I don't think Stephen knew, but here's my textual evidence for that and my reason my, – my textual evidence for thinking that Stephen – not know is that he is a man and men are oblivious okay remember that time we read a book where a dude literally fucked the same girl like six fucking times and thought she was a different person every single (laughs) fucking time and she didn't even change anything except her fucking clothes she didn't do anything but change her outfit and her accent and homeboy was like that's a whole different vagina like come on (laughs) men are dumb as fuck let's be real Steven did not know so then basically after her brother marries the love of her life uh, like casually and BD, um, her dad also died and he was kind of the only person who really understood her because her mom's a hag and they were pretty close and she got to like work with him and help him with his like academic endeavors. So yay. Uh, but he died. And so basically she kind of like tries to kill herself cause she just can't. So anyway, she tries to kill herself. Her mom has her taken coral and, is like trying to sweep it under the rug like it didn't like she didn't try to kill herself like she just accidentally got mixed up and almost died uh anyway it's a fucking train wreck (laughs) is basically what it is um margaret decides that she's got to like figure out what to do with her life now that she's a spinster and she decides to become a lady visitor at a women's prison, which, if you didn't know, is a real thing. It was a real thing back in the day. Um, they basically thought that, like, a nice lady could come in and, like, be a good influence and sort of, like, uh, train up train up the, the prisoners in the way of the Lord and whatnot. Uh, yeah, that's not what happens in this. Spoiler. Uh, <laughs> so what actually happens is that margaret falls real hard for this stunner named selena dawes dawes selena dawes okay apparently she looks like this fucking amazing painting um which i'm into it's hot okay but the first scene is her like 
the where you see Selena is her leaning back on a chair. Oh yeah, and she's oh, looking yeah. up at the window and she's got a violet. It's like a violet. She's rubbing on her <laughs> face. I mean, and she like face. brings it to her lips <laughs> in the in the in the little peep of sunshine coming through. It's, it's, I mean, listen, it's super erotic. Gay stuff. <laughs> hashtag gay stuff. Um, you do not have to ignore anything to get the gay romance no, you are it's longing there. for. It's laid it out. It's very so clear. So much gay romance in this. It's so great. Anyway. It's um, so good. So anyway, so she falls falls for Selena, who's locked up for fraud and assault. And we find out that Selena is a medium and she basically seduces Margaret. Margaret was very willing. Don't worry. Uh, and kind of mind fucks her with some creepy supernatural shit like leaving gifts in margaret's room even though selena is locked up in a cell miles away like she'll suddenly leave stuff for her and then when margaret comes back to visit she'll like talk about the thing she left and be like did you like blah 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 like it's kind of creepy and you're like how the fuck is this happening margaret and selena are super fall super in love and they hatch this plan to bust selena out of prison and run off to Italy together to live happily ever after on Margaret's inheritance. But since we're trying to avoid spoilers, all I will say at this point is that this is a crazy fucking ride. And you probably should be emotionally prepared for it because nothing is going to be what you think it is in the end. Uh, I got many a text message from two other people who also do this <laughs> podcast um, who who were not happy with me, apparently, uh, for picking this and not telling them the ending, which I'm sorry. I don't believe in spoiling shit for people. <laughs> the, okay, the ending is a little bit bullshit. The ending I mean, is brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. I don't know if brilliant Dear is Sarah exactly Waters, the word I would use. I wish the best for your relationship, but if it doesn't work out, um, I'm here for you, girl, because you are a motherfucking master of literature. This is why you win all the damn awards. Amazing. This book is full, full, full of nine years of longing. That is the name of the fucking game. And it's hot and steamy and wonderful and beautiful. And s- listen, just just trust us. Just read it. Lesbian longing. Lesbian longing, people. This is what this is what we've been waiting for. <laughs> yes. And I feel like I may be like midpoint here between um the nine years of longing camp, uh, aka Ellis and the let's just bang it out camp, aka Bryn, where like I love the longing, but the ending of this novel threw me for a loop, y'all, and like You were not happy about it. No, no, I was not. I was not. It, I loved it. Here's it. the thing. I thought it was extremely good narrative technique. Like very, very good narrative technique. Sarah Waters emotionally, is brilliant. Emotionally, emotionally, you weren't ready. You, yeah, you weren't. I ready. was emotionally blue balled by this. You novel. were definitely. No, this- I was so mad. I had a thought that this was coming when they had that last conversation in the prison, and there was hugging, and I was like, no, she like this is not really what's happening. Like, I. I, I didn't know exactly what was going to happen in the end, but I had the feeling when they had that last meeting. And so I just rage read the last like 30 pages because I was so mad that this was what's happening. And I made it to this whole goddamn book of lesbian longing. And it was so hot right up until that conversation. And I was like, you're going to fucking ruin it. And then she fucking ruined it. I, I mean, I no just... spoilers, though. 
It's, I mean, I'm trying not to spoil it. Just it just doesn't go okay. the way you like. Things happen that you weren't expecting. Let's, we'll yes. just say that. If, Let's just things listen, happen. If spoilers happen. Spoilers happen. No, guys, do not fucking spoil. I'm trying the, not to the, spoil the it. The sheer but, like, joy damn. of your reactions <laughs> makes me believe we should not spoil this for people. Read the okay, fucking let's, book. Okay, if you're gonna, if you're listening to this podcast and you're going to read it. We really, and I cannot stress this enough, we really want you to tell us what you think of the ending. Like, yes. Oh, my God. Read it. Hit us up on all like, the tweet socials. Us, Instagram us. Like, attack us in person. I don't care. Like, they don't know who us. we are. <laughs> okay. Well, a couple of them probably know who we are. But please tell us what uh, you yeah. think because we really want to know it. And we also want to know... Um, you can you can let us so know your you feelings about you can let us know your feelings about the ending of Affinity using the hashtag hashtag throw Ellis off a cliff. Okay, <laughs> oh. okay, oh. okay, <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. uh, you know what? I'll take one for the team because Sarah Waters is a brilliant bitch. So whatever, it's y'all come for me. Come written. for it's me. So I if this doesn't get you aroused, then you can come for me. But I guarantee it will. In which case, you're fucking welcome, and you can't throw me off a cliff because you're fucking welcome. It's lesbian longing. <laughs> I don't understand the problem. <laughs> the problem is there are no orgasms in this book, and that's the real problem. Yeah, I mean, I said that's it. the part I like. <laughs> It's like all up to your your imagination. It lets you fill in the blanks. It's hot. It's way hotter. What I do is way hotter in my head than what anyone would put on the page. (laughs) All right. You guys, we should probably do. Are you ready? Yeah. 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 Segment two. Theme party. Who's doing the theme song? <laughs> themes on themes on themes. Oh, We're so having I a theme that. party. We got, like, we got lots of themes. Scratch scratching happening. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought I'd funny. add a little bit into there. I love it because it's modern month, and so you like modernized yeah. our themes on. I it's did. Like I did. It's scratch. it's theme party. The remix. The remix. <laughs> bitch. <laughs> We got like Akon up in here. Oh wait, was that dated? That was super dated. Probably. That's probably oh. telling our age. Uh, what's our first theme, Alice? Um, for our first theme, let's talk about women's prisons. Yeah, I don't like prisons, but I do like women's, and I like a lot of them in one place. Preferably not incarcerated, though. No, but that also, seems problematic. But also with no men's. Oh yeah, we do like that. <laughs> but I still, I still object to the incarceration. No, for sure. Uh, so I feel like I've been talking like so much. So like, how about uh my other Victorianist-ish person? can maybe talk a little bit about women's prison for a second and what was happening in the 19th century. I can talk about prisons. I will admit that um, they are not my specialty, uh, but I do know a little bit about them. Um, So the thing about Millbank, which is the prison that Margaret Pryor visits, one, it's actually, it's not just a women's prison. It is a co-edish prison. Um, there's like a men's section and a women's section, and they're completely, totally separate, but they are technically housed within the same group of buildings. Um, but 
I should have done my research, but I didn't because this isn't work. It's a podcast that we do for funds. Um, I don't know if Millbank is a real prison. I don't know if it's actually a panopticon. Um, it is a real is- prison. It is. Millbank, Westminster, London. Originally constructed as a as the National Penitentiary uh-huh. and which for part of its history served as a holding facility for convicted prisoners before they were transported to Australia. It was opened in 1816 and closed in 1890. Thank you, Google. <laughs> so let me tell you a little bit about prisons in the 19th yes. century. Do it. Um, I don't know much, but I do know about the Panopticon, which was actually the site of Millbank was originally um, purchased to build the Panopticon, which was a prison that uh, this philosopher, Jeremy Bentham, he's the utilitarian guy, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. The greatest good for the greatest number of people. It's bullshit. Honestly, though, that's kind of my like ethical except model. for if you look at jeremy bentham's philosophy it's pretty racist so. oh yeah no i'm not here for that part but i'm saying like greatest good for the greatest number of people part i'm into which honestly sure uh this is probably not the one the podcast to go down the philosophical routes but i think that utilitarian <laughs> we are opens drunk one, opens one's <laughs> one up to a lot of uh, like really troubling ethical conclusions that I'm not for. Um, so I'm not a huge Bentham fan. Anyway, for example, the Panopticon, which was his idea for the perfect prison, which was this like octagonal, I think, hexo- hexagonal shaped prison. <laughs> which is what Milbank is described as in the thing, in the novel that we are reading. It's this prison where basically it's like all of these spokes and like there's the center tower where, fuck <laughs> you guys, so hard. I can't, I have to use my hands when I talk. It's a Latina thing. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I am using I am using a lot of hand gestures for this. Uh, anyway, it's a prison and it has, all of these spokes and in the center is where the everybody like basically the idea of the panopticon is that all of the prisoners are constantly being surveilled and like the surveillance part is part of the punishment and it's messed up as fuck um hashtag jeremy bentham is problematic uh uh so anyway the the panopticon is this idea about surveillance and power and if you read foucault which like you probably should. You use the F word in a podcast. I know. I'm going to take a drink as punishment. I can't believe it. You use the F word. You're going to have to take a drink. Um, the history of sexuality. That should be a new it. It's good. Uh, anyway, we talk about. She just doubled down on it. She was like, right fuck it. I did it. So now I'm going to double the fuck down. I'm going to start naming names of books. You <laughs> asked me. You asked me to talk about prisons and you thought I wasn't going to Foucault this shit up. I'm, I don't know why I would I have thought that. Honestly, anyway, I don't know. I don't know. Point is, Foucault Mobby. is right. The panopticon is messed up. Millbank was kind of based on it. Anyway, let's talk about the prison in the book. So yeah, let's um, do in the book. What? <laughs> like, actually, like I'm really excited to talk about this. Okay, um, okay. I'm, I'm gonna throw a few things out there for mm-hmm. us 
Um, and then we're going to just like play with them. And the first thing I'm going to talk about is the yeah, idea of are. surveillance and the I idea like of the gaze. And the second thing I'm going to throw out there is that in Millbank, the women's part of the prison is completely shut up from shut off from the men. Like you do have to get through the men's prison to get into the women's prison, which tells you a lot about sexuality. So, um, but then once you're in the women's prison, there are no male guards. There, like, there's no men anywhere. It's just women, as far as the eye can see. Praise and, the Lord. Praise and the eye the can Lord. see into a lot of them because all of the cells have peepholes, which is, you know, that's a lot of things to unpack there. And basically, what we have in this novel is a highly regulated all female space dominated by the female gaze that's what i'm throwing out there for us to play with i'm living for it honestly like okay so i'm living for it except for the part where there's like not a whole lot of consent okay fair 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 but what i do like is like the 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 bond of like the little bonds that start to form oh yeah yeah the The, the The pals pals they're called pals Pals. uh which is code for lesbian lovers and it's hot and so prison bitches i but not because it's equal see so like when you think prison bitches that's like listen no listen 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 when you think like prison bitches you usually think of like men's prisons and there's like one person who's getting like taken advantage of uh in certain ways like that's my bitch or whatever right but in this it's like they they like genuinely love each other like they form a bond with each other and the prison doesn't like that they have formed this uh and they try like they they can't even like name it they have to talk about it in code because if you name it it gives it more power but like they form like true bonds with each other which i think is kind of nice okay Look, okay, now there's so much talk about eyes in this one, like so much discussion of whose eyes are looking where, whose eyes are looking down. It There's even, they call it, um, there's a little like section of the door that swings open and they can look in on the prisoners and they call it the eye, capital T, capital I, E, <laughs> E. Um, there's, there's so many eyes. There's even one where it says, now she did gaze at me, or um, Mrs. Jelf was looking at me, but I would not gaze at her. There's so much looking in this one. Like, we could probably talk for hours about who gets to look at whom. Oh, no, it's definitely, but, it's definitely, like, unbalanced power. I mean, the prisoners have no power. Right. Um, and yeah. I also, so what the, the whole, like, pals thing makes me think of is more of orange is the new black uh, and like the relationships that form in that modern day women's prison fictional nice. women's prison um and i think that like on the one hand yes you don't have the unbalanced patriarchal gender dynamic between men and women but i would i'd hesitate to say that like in Millbank in the novel, all of those pal relationships are perfectly equal because we're only really seeing the prison through Margaret's eyes. She's the first person narrator of the novel, and she's not an inmate. She's an upper middle class white woman. And so we're really only seeing it from her perspective, 
we have almost zero idea of what the actual internal dynamics are between the prisoners themselves or between really the prisoners and the prison guards other than what Margaret is telling us. And as much as I do love Margaret, and I do, she is kind of an unreliable narrator. So I'm into the pals. I'm into the lesbian relationships. I will say that the fact that it's set in a women's prison, it's the, I can't, even if it's all women's, which I love, love all women's, the prison dynamic makes me feel icky, not about the novel, but just about like the, the power relations within a prison space are never going to be equal. That's what I got to say about that. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I think there are only two men characters in this one. Stephen and Mr. Shilato, the, mm. the head warden yeah, person. There are, uh, are there any others? Not that I can think of. Not any named ones. Oh, yeah. The guy who runs yeah. the the library of the the medium library. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's this, the spirit spirit medium library. And then there's the... Um, the porter at the door of the prison, mm. but other than but the porter he's doesn't never have a given name, a name. Yeah. yeah. But other than that, there's I don't know two and two halves of male characters, and the rest are all women. So it, there's a lot about like who gets to look at whom and in what power situations. Um, the the wardens like Miss Haxby and Miss Ridley all have like aggressive gazes. Uh-huh. And then oh, yeah. Mrs. Jelf has a kind gaze. Um, there's a lot to do with gazes in this and one, and ga- who gets to look and, at whom and, and the when power, and how. the power inherent mm-hmm. in the gaze. Yeah. One thing that I'm thinking of now, which I would love to know you guys' thoughts, is like because this novel is written exclusively from Margaret's perspective, is there something going on there with sort of this? She's like a upper middle class white woman um but she's also queer sort of like a fantasy like the prison is sort of a fantasy space for her like you know in regular life power works very differently from the way it works in that prison space for her and so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm totally like on board with my own theory here no, I'd because like remember in that part of the novel where she's talking she she feels like her, she gets the ick towards herself uh, because she's like <laughs> because Selena Dawes is younger than her by like 10 mm-hmm. years or not quite but it's a big age gap and Selena Dawes is imprisoned and Margaret is not and Margaret realizes that she's having feelings for Selena and she starts feeling very very uncomfortable for the fact that she is like going to look at this younger woman who can't actually consent to be looked at and like she felt guilty from the first minute that she watched her with the violet when Selena didn't know she was being watched. Like she she but always she keeps is aware. Going back. She does keep going back, but I think she's always aware that it's a little fucked up until Selena then like we can't like we won't go into the whole ending, but mm-hmm. Selena also violated some spaces for Margaret. Mm-hmm. And so it like sort of, uh, it sort those, of, of it spaces. sort of her sacred yeah, room. Yeah, it sort of evens out because when you say sacred room, I I really just can't think of anything but vaginas. I mean, no, but I but really like for Margaret, she protected her bedroom space, yeah. right? It was the one and space the diary. Could, um, yes, yeah, she, and the, the okay, diary. So was... you should probably know. 
the people listening should probably know that the novel it, um, happens in two sets of diaries. There are two diaries. One is Margaret Pryor's, and then the other is Selena Dawes, um, except you find out near the end that Selena has been writing hers for a specific audience. Um, but uh, Margaret Pryor's diary is the main storyteller. <laughs> so she sits in her room, right? And she writes in her very private diary, um, her very private thoughts, and she does not want to be supervised by anyone while she writes them. But her bedroom becomes like this sacred space where she experiences all of life. Like venturing outside of her bedroom is fine for food, but then she comes right back. And then she ventures out to go to Millbank to see Selena. But then Selena spirit visits her in her bedroom. Um, or at least she hopes she does. And like, then things start coming into her sacred space. And then Margaret Pryor is being looked at mm. through her diary and through and, gifts and, the reader and through is Selena's spirit. Yeah. And then the reader's like looking in on her in her bedroom space. And then this bedroom space, I think she mentions it at least once, becomes this dark space that she's going to be in for the rest of her life it's, and all of a sudden she feels like she's in a prison yeah her own mini panopticon within her house oh my god and then that puts, mother. that puts if you think about it from that perspective it puts the reader in the position of a prison guard like yeah. we are the viewer and our gaze has inherent power and it is frankly kind of violent mm-hmm. it is she burns Okay, it's this is a spoiler. I'm sorry. But it's not she like burns a burns the diary. Spoiler. Yeah. Yeah. She burns the diary and yet we are still reading it. So she tries to rid the evidence and yet the readers are still looking in on her sacred bedroom space. And it by the end, I'm not gonna lie, I felt like a little icky, like looking in yeah. on her sacred bedroom space that she had tried to keep for herself. I mean, she even tries to keep her love there, right? She lays out all of Selena oh, Dawes' clothes so in her bedroom. She lays out all of these gifts that Selena has given her in her bedroom, and she makes it a special space for them. And then, But then we're like there staring at them. I don't know. I think I just, that it just made me feel It does make me icky. feel like it. But here's the thing. Like now that I've had a bottle of wine and like I'm talking about it with you guys, what <laughs> it makes me think is like what an absolutely accurate, excellent, visceral commentary this is on the experience of being a young woman. Young women's privacy is one of the most <laughs> violated things by our by, mm -hmm. by society, by our parents, by our – That's the entire point of Milbake Prison, right? right? Like, it's like to, to invade your like privacy. Our, like young women's privacy is invaded. Like the idea of a diary is private. But also with the idea of privacy comes the idea of the invasion of privacy. Like every young girl's first fear is that someone who they don't want to read their diary is going to read their diary. Like if they keep a diary, whatever. Our bedrooms are – now with social media, now, you know, with the surveillance state, like all of this stuff, one of the most violated things is the privacy of, of women. Um, one of the genius things about this novel is that it makes us participate in at the, and at the same time feel the violent effects of that kind of invasion of women's privacy. Ellis, tell us about our second – Theme. What is our second theme? Lesbian lovers. Lesbian. That's our favorite topic, you guys. I love a lesbian it really is. Lover. Who are the lesbian lovers in this? Decided there to are take two sets. A lesbian lover. Three sets. 
How many sets of Okay, well we can't there? spoil the one set. Uh okay. so we'll there are three sets, but we're only gonna tell about two. Uh the first set is Margaret and Helen, the woman who marries mm. Margaret's brother. And mm-hmm. they were friends and uh back in the day Margaret was working for her father and helping him with research and they brought Helen on to also help and they were like having a super steamy affair and they were all supposed to go to Italy together and then her dad got sick or whatever and so like didn't happen and then Helen married her brother um, accidentally on purpose and then had a baby with him. So um, so Margaret is devastated but we get sort of like bits and pieces of their history and they are mm-hmm. steamy. And it was you guys, definitely they, steamy. She keeps a locket of Helen's hair. Yes. Around, Margaret keeps a locket of Helen's hair around her chest. And she describes it several times as burning into her flesh. She can feel yeah. its weight upon her breast. Real Margaret hot. Has, real hot. Margaret has so much longing. But why Poor do you Margaret. think I love this Poor book? Margaret. It is all I feel so bad for all the time. I feel so bad for Margaret. I I, so I love. I cannot stress enough. I cannot stress enough how much I love Margaret. I think she is a phenomenal first person narrator. Okay, so that makes my heart a little bit happy that you said that. I love her. I think she. I thought it was one of the most compelling. I don't actually love first person narration. It's not my favorite. Like it's not that I hate it. It's not second person narration, which I do hate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. No, Chris. but I don't. It's like I prefer third person uh, limited. If you're asking, if anybody really wants to know what my favorite uh, style of narration is, it's third person limited. Um, but I could get behind Mar- that. I think yeah. I'm a first person, though. I'm a first person. No, I, 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 I like the unreliability like of it. Ooh, I like the unreliability. You like of the first hand experience exactly exactly girl Uh, first hand first hand experience yes i do oh give me that first hand (laughs) i do like a first hand experience too but normally first person narrator is like my third on the list of, of favorite narrators i will say that margaret prior is one of the most compelling first person narrators i've read Brilliant. Um, I don't think she's like perfect. And if you listen to Mary Barton, I love an imperfect heroine. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I, I like this book so much is because I think it wouldn't be real. It's human. Yeah. yeah Margaret is human. She has flaws. I don't always agree with her. But oh my God, I felt her feelings, man. I felt them. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree a tiny bit. Okay. I don't think that Margaret has that many flaws. Oh. I think it's the chloral and the laudanum. Oh, well, you know. I mean, I guess I don't have she's that many a flaws. Lady. It's just the alcohol. She's a lady <laughs> that feels her feelings, okay? I know that that's really hard for you, type 8 and type 1, but she feels her feelings. A lot of feelings. <clears throat> a lot. Does she and try that's to offer herself? Problem. Like she feels a lot yeah. of feelings and they're not okay. pleasant. But she but she tried to offer herself with the morphine because the love of her life ditched her. 
duh and then her dad died been there girl Mm -hmm. been there i feel a lot of tragedy for one feelings lady for one possible enneagram type four feeling feelings absolutely i don't think she's a type four i don't think she's a type four (gasps) she has too many feelings to be anything no i don't think she's a type four because she she's uncomfortable to wing three she's uncomfortable with her feelings and that's why she tries to kill herself Type four. I don't is, think she's uncomfortable with her. Oh, feelings. I think she is. I think she's. I think she's, I think she's uncomfortable with them. I do not think she's uncomfortable with her feelings. I think. Well, she has this a is lot a choose your own adventure, apparently. <laughs> so everyone can decide for themselves. But <laughs> she could be a type nine wing one. I like, think no. I can definitely see. Also has ambition. I can definitely see her as a type nine. Um, I don't see her as a type two because she doesn't drive pro- pleasure from like trying to please her mom. Like she's. Forced into that. I Enneagram four wing three. I think sh- no. I no. I think she she loves knowledge too. So like, I could almost see her as That's a five wing, wing, wing six, or a five wing four, maybe the most conflicted of all. <laughs> that might <laughs> be r- maybe I could get on board with that. Five or wing a four, four wing. F- she's either a five wing four or a four wing five. I could get no. I don't think she's a four wing five. I think she could be a five wing four though. She's got too many feelings not to have a four in there somewhere. I have a question. Yeah. What are we talking about, Helen? In this part, or are we talking about Helen and Ryder dies? We're talking about her and Ryder dies. Okay. All right. Then but I, I think we could be going. we could be done with lesbian love. There's lesbian lovers. It's hot. It's steamy. You're never going to get an on-screen orgasm, but you will get lots of, like, longing and illusions. Before we move on to segment three, maybe we should explain what the title is about. Yeah. Bryn, tell us about that. Uh, The title is Affinity, right? Um, And Alice is going to make silly faces at me on Skype while we do this. Um, Your affinity is like your fun control spirit. If slash you're a soulmate spirit medium slash uh like your your soulmate the person you're meant to spend all your extra time with your the other person half. you have a an affinity for and so lena <laughs> Look, i made a noun a verb because the verb was originally a verb so you like want <laughs> to hang out with them i don't know if i've ever <laughs> experienced a more brin moment than brin telling us that affinity <laughs> was officially a verb <laughs> You're so welcome. I feel you're so welcome. I feel exhausted by how type three that was. <laughs> Literally, I need a nap. Your affinity is your person you're gonna hug awkwardly in a prison cell, and the person you're going to visit in the dark of the night. Ooh, honestly. I want to visit people in the dark. And of the your night. soul is gonna escape a prison to go be with their soul because that's what affinities do. Selena, I think it is important yes. to say, Selena is the one who first, like, brings up that term and then margaret is like fuck yeah it is that's exactly what we are you're my affinity too bitch and then yeah things happen read the book read the book read the book segment three right or dies who who is our who is our ride or die first up we have margaret Pryor, our heroine the one who tells the story uh, personally, I'm gonna say she is definitely a ride or die. She's fucking amazing. She has feelings. She is smart. She is into lesbian love affairs. I support sure. Margaret Pryor. Yeah. Maybe a bit 
naive. That happens to the best of us. It could be the coral. Uh, yeah, let's blame the coral. Fuck the coral. Listen, Margaret Pryor is the be-all, end-all. Everyone should be in love with Margaret Pryor. She got fucked over a lot. That's unfortunate, but she's a fucking gem. But she didn't get fucked a lot. She absolutely didn't, and it was a real tragedy to give the fuck. She got fucked by Helen. Maybe, she, yeah. yeah. We just don't, we, this is like off screen. It's off screen. I feel like Helen was a pillow princess, and Margaret did all the fucking. What's a pillow princess? Oh, damn. A pillow princess is someone who receives lesbian sex but does not give it. But that's fine. Like, if that's what people are into, that's great. Like, there's no judgment. Helen is a pillow princess. Great. Margaret is not a pillow princess. No, Margaret's got enough tension to fill so many sheets, you guys. <laughs> she loves her some lady parts, I will say. I mean, her name is Pryor. She has a prior. Okay. I'm I'm gonna tell you right now, girl. <laughs> and it's Helen. Oh, it's Helen. Bless it. Okay, speaking of, let's talk about Helen. She's next up on our red or dies. She could die. I fucking hate her. She could fuck all the way off. <laughs> How does everyone It's a else little feel? harsh. It's a little harsh. Um, I mean, but it it might be harsh, but it's not fucking wrong. She's okay. terrible. No, Helen is trying to survive in the Victorian life. You know who else is trying to survive? Margaret. You know what she doesn't do? Try to be straight. That's Helen's coping mechanism, though. Well, good for Helen. That makes her shitty. The end. No, it makes her pragmatic. Shitty. Shitty. Pragmatic. Shitty. Helen's just trying to make it in a late Victorian world where Queen Victoria so doesn't Margaret. think lesbians are a thing. And no Margaret one thinks is lesbians also, are a thing. But, okay. But Margaret is is also engaging in another lesbian affair. And Helen is like, mm, too much risk. I'm out. Let's marry a man. Yeah. Because she's I, shitty. I don't think shitty is the word. Not only does she... Listen, 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 listen. I can understand if she's like, I gotta marry a man's because that's what's expected of me or whatever, but you gotta marry your lover's brother because that's fucking shitty. So she could stay in the family and she can always keep up her affair on the side. She can't, though, because she doesn't. She doesn't keep up her affair. I know. She rubs it in Margaret's face because she's shitty. I know. The least... My least favorite thing that Helen does... You can try to defend her all you want, but at the end of the I day, know. we all know she is shitty. Okay, my least favorite thing that Helen does is that she, after Margaret has a, an outburst, Helen follows her up to her room and says, it's really hard being your friend. And like, uh-huh. 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 girlfriend to follow you up and say, it's really hard being your friend is kind of a super slap in the face. I hate Helen. I just, I don't so think much. Helen is quite as shitty as you think she is. Well, I think she's ten times shittier than I think she is. I feel like I've been nice to her. <laughs> you have not been nice to her. You have not been nice to her. Yeah, but I've been, her. Nicer, I've, been I've been nicer. I've been nicer to her than I would like to. <laughs> she's not that bad. Chris, I remember a time where you were excited to talk about Helen because you had feelings and thoughts. Do you want to jump in there? I think it's possible that Helen is bisexual. And I think that it is not Helen's fault that uh, Margaret is suicidal and addicted to drugs. I think that the idea that she is at fault uh, for Margaret's mental illness or addiction perpetuates really abusive relationships between people who who have problems with addiction and mental illness. 
I that is a tragedy, and but it is not their partner's fault. Um, that is what I think. I don't think what? it's her fault. I think it contributes to her depression, which is what leads to that. But I don't think Helen is solely to blame. I think her real breaking point was when she had lost Helen and then her dad died. And it was just like, it was like so much at once that she couldn't deal. So I agree with you on that. Like, I don't think we can blame Helen for Margaret's actions or illnesses. But I do think Helen is shitty. What do we make of the scenes where Helen comes up and says... It's really hard being your friend because I'm low-key weird. And also, here's your chloral. Not a fan of those. It's really hard for Margaret to be Helen's friend, too, and watch her mm-hmm. love of her life have babies with her brother. Like, that that's also hard. But Helen can't see past her own bullshit, so. Helen can't see a lot of things, it seems like. To be fair to Helen, she brings the chloral and then she also leaves with it. So she doesn't make, at least the first time, the first time she doesn't make Margaret take the chloral. The second time, I think she leaves it there and lets Margaret take it at her at her leisure, right? That, what does that even matter? Like at the end of the day. Because the first time Helen is the one authorized to go get it from her mother's cabinet and Margaret is not. And the second time, that's still the case, except that Helen leaves it for Margaret to have charge of her chloral. And then there's a third time where Margaret gets to have charge of when she takes her medications. And that time, she gets herself fucked up on laudanum. But what I, I guess, like, what I'm saying is, like, it doesn't really matter about that. Like, what, what matters is everything before and the fact that she's now trying to, like, sweep their history under the rug completely. Like... That's shitty. We're only getting Margaret's side of the story, though, aren't we? Well, I mean, sometimes there's a right side and a wrong side, and I feel like Margaret's side is right. (laughs) (laughs) Margaret always thinks that she's right, though, too. So I know, but, like, honestly, if you were in love with someone and they married your brother, would you not feel a fucking type of way about it? Because I would, like... That. Just because Margaret was in love with Helen doesn't mean that Helen was in love with Margaret. No, but it also doesn't mm. mean that it's right that Helen is like, it's hard to be your friend, blah, blah, blah. Let's pretend this didn't happen. Like, it happened. We have no real idea what Helen and Margaret's relationship was like. So what if Margaret groomed Helen into her lover because that's what Margaret wanted and then Margaret met Helen through her dad's work and then we don't know we don't know anything besides the fact that they were together but like like how do we know that Helen was like as into it as Margaret was and maybe she wasn't but I feel like it's reaching to say that they didn't have something that was special third character is Mrs. Jelf who is Mrs. Jelf someone tell us Mrs. Jelf is one of the uh like what guards what do you what do you call her like a guard warden what warden yeah i don't whatever so she works at the prison and uh is kind of really sweet and uh when margaret first visits she sort of like notices that mrs jelf is like newer and not i guess like as jaded as the other guards and seems like a lot kinder to the prisoners than the other guards are. And we find out that Mrs. Jelf sort of is like also trying to help Selena 
and I without giving like I don't want to give too many spoilers but like basically like she's sort of like this naive really kind like she's doing this because she needs the money um but she's not I guess like hardened and cynical about things like she still views the prisoners as like human beings who you know she wants to like sort of see the best in and may maybe or maybe not that is a good thing i don't know you have well to i don't know is she a ride or die she's definitely a ride like she's a ride or I die mean, for sure. yeah mrs jeff is a nice one she's the one that gives everyone she's um, kind like she's genuinely kind mm-hmm she gives um, some people like a piece of flannel. She gives them yeah. uh, spare gloves. Um, she helps them to an extra little bit of bread sometimes. Um, she's the warden that's actually kind of nice and takes her duties as a protector semi-seriously. Yes. Yes. Instead of her duties as a punisher, first and foremost. Um, she's the nice one. And she ends up paying for it in the end. You should read the end of the book. Uh, she ends up paying for a <laughs> niceness, unfortunately. No, um, which honestly, yeah, like, honestly, that was a little the disappointing. The, story. the moral of the story is: no good deed goes unpunished. Because yeah. like, all the way it through. was so disappointing to reach the end, and Mrs. Jelf didn't get anything. Like she didn't get. It took her. It takes her so long, even like when shit happens. It takes her so long to realize that shit had happened. Like. She legit, like, wants so badly to believe the best in people that, like, even when she's confronted with it at one point of, like, what's happened, it, like, she can't, like, it takes her too long to figure out. You know what I she mean? She didn't like, even get, like, a friend out of the deal. She got, she got shit. shit. She got not shit. Got Nothing. not shit. But we love her, it's... and I feel like, I don't know, like, I guess, like, I don't want to be that way but like i think it's nice that there are people in the world like her you know i mean i like to think that lots of people are nice but but she's like she's like kind to a fault like it just it ends up biting her in the ass so it's like you don't ever want to be her because you don't want to be the person that gets fucked over but like it's also really nice to think that there are people in the world who are just like genuinely that kind okay can we do can we do a fun bonus section Yes, bonus points. Okay, our fun bonus section. We've done lots of fun bonus sections. We've done a fuck, marry, kill. I don't remember what we called it. It was like snog, sex, and something. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> we've done, uh, last time we did, I think we did like a Marxist menu. That was awesome. That was Chris's idea. We listed people we were going to eat in the revolution. Uh, this one, we would like to do a hot or not section using themes from the book so we're gonna try and be as quick as possible are you ready you're so ready okay i'm ready i'm gonna read one and then y'all are gonna tell me if it's hot or not hot okay okay hot or not when the ghost named peter quick brings weird shit to the dark circles hot or not hot i think i'm gonna go not (laughs) it doesn't really do it for me okay Okay, weirdly kind of maybe hot. Okay, wax molds, hot or not? Not hot. See, that I do think is hot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, Ella's getting super weird. Like, when there's, like, some fucking wax and shit, like, I'm into it. And, like, Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. Like, I like it. Like, I love me some hot wax. Let's do okay. it. Okay, Ellis in the hot wax. Everyone make a note. All right, being someone's affinity. That's their familiar spirit. Hot or not? Super hot. hot. Super hot. Super hot. I'll agree. Being someone's fake affinity. This is kind of a spoiler alert. Hot or not? Not, not at all hot. That's shitty. Super fucking <laughs> shitty. Yeah. The worst. The worst. Absolutely. Hashtag the worst. <laughs> Hashtag canceled. <laughs> Hashtag canceled. Get rid of it. Okay. Laudanum. <laughs> Laudanum dosage. Fuck. Laudanum is hot. In moderation? Yes. I, <laughs> I, I do not know what this word is. What is this moderation you Okay, but of? like Margaret is not into moderating her laudanum. Okay, no. well, it's still hot though, so I'm going to say hot, okay. I guess. Um, I like for those that don't spend all of their time in 18th and 19th century literature, laudanum is liquid opium. It's it, It'll get you real fucked up. Um, Basically, what, like kind of heroin but not heroin yeah I don't know. it's so okay. strong it's so strong um all right but it was kind the of soul- <laughs> the soul crushing power of the modern nation state hot or not 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 hot nobody gets it on a tech hashtag canceled no. It's her actual name. Selena brings Margaret orange blossoms in the middle of the night. Are orange blossoms with their lovely scents hot or not? So hot. hot. Super so hot. hot. Honestly, oh, yes. So she hot. saves yeah, one in her diary. I'd like to stick my face in a whole bunch of orange blossoms. <laughs> I would love to see Selena's orange blossoms. Uh, oh, Girl. Okay, Girl. we kind of talked about this a little, but is Helen hot or not? Not. I, mean, I feel like she's not. obviously hot because, like, Margaret boned her. Uh, There's a lot of tension there. I don't know. It could be hot. I think it's not hot. Cause There's so shitty. much tension, though. You're the queen of tension. Yeah, I love tension. I don't love shitty people. So <laughs> I'm going to say not. Just, not just, because you, just because you don't love them doesn't mean you don't want to bone them. <laughs> When they're that shitty, nope, I don't want a boner. I don't want to give her the satisfaction of boning me, to be honest with <laughs> I you. Mean, like, that. I, I'm a motherfucking prize, and she don't deserve me. So Helen is hashtag canceled. Fuck the hell. That should be the title of Ellis's memoir. You don't get the satisfaction of boning me. All right. Now, Mrs. Jelf gave people flannel. To wear on their chest around their neck. Is red flannel on your chest hot or not? Okay, but like in the context of the novel, not. But like the way <laughs> it's written out, kind of. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to have to agree with Ellis here. I was going to say not because who likes red flannel on your chest? But actually, it's kind of hot. Like it's like, kind of doing it for me. I feel like we can make it fashion. Like we could do it. <laughs> like tuberculosis but make it fashion i'm just saying i'm just saying <laughs> tb but make it fashion that's our new hashtag everybody this podcast is not sponsored by tuberculosis but if you have consumption cough into a flannel and put it on your chest all right do it, do it. <laughs> the concept of into your chest flannel don't put it on your chest after you cough in it <laughs> 
I mean, I mean it leads you to the coffin. A lady's got to do what a lady's got to do. I mean, if you if you're the one coughing in it and you put it on your own chest, it doesn't really matter because you already have the TV, right? Eh, fair. It's only if you put it on someone else's chest to like keep your flannel to yourself. Is basically <laughs> <laughs> we're putting that on a T-shirt. <laughs> your Hashtag flannel. keep your flannel to yourself. Keep Let's your flannel to yourself. Okay. Okay. All okay. right. Doors. No, wait. Um, spying on lady prisoners. Is that hot or not? That's not. Okay, it's hot, but like also <laughs> get consent? Question mark. But it's but so it's hot. Spying. No. Oh, it's still hot though. I'm into it. Okay, yeah. it's only hot if you're also a lady. If you're no. a dude, it's not hot. No. But if you're a lady, double standard. No. Double standard. Okay, wait. Always work in men's favors. This is the one time it works in the ladies' favors, and I'm going to say hot. No, listen, I'm going to say I'm gonna say consent is consent no matter what your genitals look like. Uh, well, spying on people without their consent is not hot. I said get consent. <laughs> Fair enough. On a related topic, doors with eyes, and by that we mean the prison little, um, they call them slits in the door uh that they open up to look through our doors with eyes hot or not i've been saying not no that's no they're not. definitely no because because she called them slits so mm-hmm. uh. i know but it's literally like voyeurism all the time how is that different from spying on lady prisoners i said it's only okay when it's <laughs> margaret how okay how's it different this one you say is hot and the other one you said is not it's how it was Margaret. Listen, doors with eyes without people looking through them are hot. When people look through them, not hot. It's Ooh, very important that clarification. Any, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> They're okay. just particularly holy doors. <laughs> okay, but if no one's looking through the hole, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, I'm just saying, like, I feel like we can take this they're sexy whether people are looking through them or not, okay? But if they're looking through them and it's not consensual, then you think it's not hot. Team, 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 they're just doors, pull it together. I have a less controversial topic. Italy, hot or not? Hot. Very hot. So hot. Definitely hot. Okay. Um, Selena has a favorite black velvet collar that she wears when her spirits are coming to her, and then she sends it to Margaret. Is a black velvet collar hot or not? It's the hottest part of this novel. Honestly, I agree with that. The one time. It's the, like, nothing, like every word out of your mouth just then, Pran, was like the hottest <laughs> thing I'd ever heard. <laughs> In the okay. end, wait, bonus she's gonna points. Need, she's going to need a moment. She's going to need a moment for a hot sh- or for a cold shower because it was so hot with the black velvet. Lita has a black velvet collar that she wears when her spirits come to her and then she sends we it all to know. In the deck of the night, I want a fucking black velvet collar. We all know know black velvet collar is code for vagina. (laughs) Or a black velvet collar. Okay, on the bonus points, on the back, it has a lot. Can you imagine anyone that you were about to bone? Like, literally anyone that you were about to bone. 
wearing a black velvet collar. I can imagine it. Sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, I have on multiple occasions since reading this book. (laughs) I have imagined it many times. Thank you. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Panopticons, hot or not? Not hot. Not hot. Not hot. Okay. Cabinets, hot or not? Hot. In the book, she has a quote-unquote cabinet, which is an alcove with curtains where she, she, Selena, lets herself be bound to a chair before her spirit friend, Peter, comes to her in the dark. It's hot. It's hot. It's hot. It's It's very hot. We've decided cabinets are hot. They have curtains and they're dark and there's binding and bondage involved. Okay. Oh, we love some <laughs> Yes. Okay. When you're living in a prison and you have to thank all the privileged ladies when they didn't actually do anything except visit you and say hello like any normal person would do, is that hot or not? It's not, not hot. hot. Not That's a very hot. leading question, and I appreciate your answers following my lead. The next one being high as fuck, particularly on laudanum. Hot, hot or not? So hot. Super hot. Super hot. I'm a medium because Margaret is like unreliable as shit. So I mean, um, I would like to clarify that being high as fuck is hot. Someone else being high as fuck is not hot. Last one. The Tim's water. Hot or not hot? Not not hot. hot. That shit is full of (laughs) fucking bacteria. It's so nasty. Not, no, not they, they spend several sentences talking about how shitty the Thames water is and how Milbank like basically lives in it. Okay, so that bad. brings us bonus points all the way to segment four, final grades. We're going to start with Chris, and then I will give mine. My name is Bryn. Obviously, thank you. <laughs> um, and then Ellis, because it was her pick. And then Chris is going to bring it home for all of us. Are you ready? Chris, you're first. Yeah, I'm going to give this one a 90, like a straight up A minus. Most, okay, the reasons are, oh, this is going to hate me, but the middle is a little little bit slow, but the end is so. A little bit. Okay. Wait, what? I'm sorry, what? Where is the middle? (laughs) Explain the middle to me. Like, what are you calling the middle? (laughs) The middle's whatever you want it to be, baby. It's in a billion times. Like, I can't handle that many, like, longing like there are a lot of feelings with helen and there is a lot of just like random visits to the prison it's fine it's whatever um but the ending <laughs> couldn't put it down rage texted ellis in the middle of the night you know how i feel about one of those like gripping endings mm-hmm. i was into Grip it your ending. Oof, it did get my ending. <laughs> um, and and i will say I will say that the longing was like very hot, like oh, very hot. Oh, it's so hot! Oh god, it was so hot. like the, the lesbian longing was like one of the hottest things ever. So However, hot. I agree with Ellis that I like my longing um, consummated at the end. Usually, uh, uh, and there was you, you there mean was, you agree with Bryn. Sorry, yeah, I agree with Bryn that I like my longing consummated, um, and there was no consummation and therefore oh and also the ending is devastating but in the best way like it's devastating and i can com- i commend sarah waters for her work as a literary artist but it destroyed me and it hurt a lot and i can't handle that much pain in the middle of a pandemic so like give it a 90 
Okay. Um, I have to disagree, and it. I have to say that I can't give this more than a B plus. Probably more like a B minus. Um, mostly because of the aforementioned reasons. There's no consummation. There's no sex. There's no. There's no ending event where we all feel good about satisfied. ourselves, satisfied, uh, pleased. I suppose. The um, word you're looking for is orgasm. There's yeah. There's definitely no orgasms. There's none for the characters in the book. I know Alice is going to disagree here, um, but there's no orgasm for the characters in the book, except possibly two of them on the side, and then even that doesn't happen in the book. And honestly, like I waited that whole book for this lesbian tension to really make it happen, and then to be met at the end with disappointment on all fronts. I just, man, I. I really enjoy this 18th century ending where everything wraps up with a bow and everything's nice and all the good people get rewarded and all the bad people get quote unquote punished. And I realize that that's yeah, very. End up dead. That's what happens. They yeah. Die. I realize. No, or like in a bad marriage. I realize that's very needy of me to want that like 18th century closure, but I do. I just, I like it. Okay. I like it. She likes what she likes. Tell us what you think. Uh, okay, so for this, I am giving it a extra credit, A plus over 100, because <laughs> it is so goddamn good. It's a big first shot. Of all, first of all, first of all, we have lesbians. Second of all, it's Victorian, late Victorian, into it. Third of all, so much longing. Fourth of all, your imagination can take you wherever you want to go with it. So if you would like to have an orgasm, I hashtag support it. It's just about your imagination. Get into it. It's okay, so there is a lot of longing and imagination. All right. It is so fucking good, Jesus. It's got supernatural shit. You got it's literally it's like it's like hauntings, lesbians, steamy longing, pris I I literally got myself worked up. I can't even deal <laughs> with how good this goddamn book is. Oh my god, Sarah Waters. So there's that. Many thanks to all of you for listening and drinking with us today. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at phdrunkpodcast, and you can also go over to our Patreon page at www.patreon slash phdrunkpodcast. And buy us a drink so that we can keep drowning our hashtag existential despair. Anchor is the foolproof platform used to make this podcast a thing, even though we are technologically challenged. Join us next time for this second book in our modern month. We count time very loosely here. Uh, that second book is Discovery of Witches by Deborah Harkness, which is basically Twilight for academics with daddy issues. That's it for us, gentles. Boats down, down, bottoms up.